This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. In order to advance racial equity, there is work for white people and people of color to do together and separately. The Project Sanctus Affinity Groups provide safe spaces for people to work within their own racial and ethnic groups. Join us every first and third Wednesday of the month at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Zoom for brave, vulnerable conversations and for building culture through engaging embodied practices. For more details and a registration, visit ProjectSanctus.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Welcome to With Love and Justice for All, the official podcast for Project Sanctus. I'm Reverend Kelly Isola. I'm here with my partner in crime, consciousness, and co-creation, Reverend Ogan Holder. Yo, and yo. a very very special guest wait you have to wait to talk because i have to say we have a very special guest carrie kelly today she's author of the book that we've been working our way through american detox the myth of wellness and how we can truly heal um but before i say a little bit more about carrie now you can talk now 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 i can thank you (laughs) thank thank you for the gracious the gracious leeway uh how are you uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You know, like I always say another day in paradise is, is part true part intention. Um, as I continue my time here in, in Barbados. Um, and I'm, I am very stoked. Um, Kelly, Carrie, Carrie, this is going to get really confusing off the bat. Cause you're Kelly and she's Carrie Kelly. So I know. <laughs> I'm already screwed. Yeah. Hi, Carrie. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. It's so good to be here with y'all. And I already love, I love this. I love what's happening here. I feel right at home. Oh, you haven't, seen no, you haven't seen nothing yet. Wait, it gets better. Yeah. So this is With Love and Justice for All, where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, uh, dismantling oppression, fostering liberation, as well as the a lot of times our focus is the special challenges that arise as spiritual seekers and within spiritual communities. Um, we're really we really like to to dive in a little bit and pull those apart um sometimes with great joy and sometimes to people's great dismay Uh, we always want to thank our listeners and subscribers that are uh, here in the united states um where i am ogan is in barbados so we have listeners in barbados and not just ogan um we have listeners from the united kingdom canada australia india norway new zealand uh we are getting close to the uh 3000 number of downloads um we're not quite there we're we're over 2700 but i like it sounds better if you say 
almost, almost. to 3,000. Yeah, you got to round up. You got to round up. Well, always. Yeah. Um, so if you want to join in the conversation, um, you can message us on Facebook um, our, or on Instagram. Our handle is at Get Our Holy On. You can also call and leave a message, 413-438-4659. Or if you have letters on your phone, 413-438, oh wait, 413-GET-HOLY. <laughs> 413-GET-HOLY. Tripped over that a little uh, bit, so, did you? Yeah. Um, but before I introduce our guest, Carrie, which, hi, Carrie. Thank you. Hi. I know. Uh, before I introduce her, Ogan, you have a couple of enticements for us, for our listeners? Uh, absolutely. On the off chance that you listen to this before uh, 7.30 Eastern tonight, um, we are wrapping up our 846 Book Club exploration of Carrie's book, American Detox, The Myth of Wellness and How We Can Truly Heal. And she will be joining us for the first hour of our book group. So if you want a double dose or if there's a question on your mind that you want to ask, uh, you can jump in on the book group as well. Uh, you didn't need to have attended before. You don't even need to have read the book. You can join us, but you must register so you can get the Zoom link, and that's at projectsanctus.com. Uh, so please join us if you can. And starting this Saturday, um, February 11th, and for the next three Saturdays, 18th and 25th, we will be exploring uh, this wonderful number here, Do the Work. Uh, yes, it is an audio podcast, but yes, I am holding up a book so the Facebook folks can see it. This is an anti-racist activity workbook by W. Kamau Battling Kate Schatz. And, you know, the question that we get a lot from especially white bodies is what can we do? What do we do about racism? I feel so helpless. What can we do? This book is chock full of ideas of what you can do. It is both your inner and personal work and the work in the community and places around you in your spaces. So there's a lot of history. There's a and and there's a lot of um, invitations. And because it is an activity book, there's a lot of activities. There's coloring pages. There's puzzles. There's mazes. There's, there's cutout paper dolls. There's cutout and paper puppets dolls and puppets. Like, we had a great time the first time we did this back in the fall. People did, loved it. Yes. So so you you really like you know appease that inner child of yours if you haven't colored for a while this is a great way to jump in and do it so that's do the work february 11th 18th 25th from 10 to 1 30 p.m eastern time again registration at projectsangus.com and we've got some economic justice pricing plans so that we can meet you wherever you're at and even if these prices are beyond your means and you want to join the the workshop please don't hesitate to reach out to us we will work something out. As I like to say, the barter system is still alive and well in my life, especially as a nomad. So I'm I'm trading services with people all the time. So don't let that uh, be a hindrance to you. Um, that's all I got right now. On with the show. Yes, on with the show. Isn't that from a TV show or a cartoon? On with the show. I think it's from the Muppets. Oh, you're right. Yes, well, I could be wrong. I'm with, the, I'm with the show. I like so, the, like the good Muppet show, like the old school, like 70s you yes. know, Muppet show. Not, the real Muppet. Not the weird iteration that <laughs> happened afterwards. Don't get me started. All right. Y'all just got, y'all just got like that. I don't know why now that is in my brain. You're welcome. We've always oh, we gifted you with an earworm. <laughs> 
So Thank let me introduce that. let me introduce uh, Carrie to you to our listeners. She is the founder of Citizen Well, C T Z N W E L L, uh, which is a movement that's democratizing well-being for all. Uh, a descendant of generations of firemen and first responders, Carrie has dedicated her life to kicking down doors and fighting for justice. She's been teaching yoga for over twenty years and is known for making waves in the wellness industry which I really appreciate, I have a kindred spirit there, uh, uh, by challenging norms, disrupting systems, and mobilizing people to act. Um, she's the author of American Detox, The Myth of Wellness and How We Can Truly Heal, the book that we here at Project Sanctus have been working through. And um, Carrie, you're just recognized across communities for your work in um, to bridge transformational practice with social justice, you know, and I periodically tell for me justice means well being so social well being, you know um, she's instrumental in translating practices of well being into social and political action, which is really important for the work that uh, Ogan and I do and. Um, so many things like like it goes, you know, the, the I'm always hesitant, how much do you say of a bio because you can never encompass the whole person right. I know so just welcome and thank you so much for coming, um, we are just thrilled. I'm so grateful to be here. And Rev, you and I have been in so many spaces together. I just like, it's been really a pleasure to be on this journey with you. And so it's really sweet to be in your space and in your circle right now. Thanks. Um, you know, I just, I know that um, Ogan has a, um, you know, we've, we had a couple questions we thought of ahead of time and, and Ogan, I wanted you to start with the, the one in particular, but before that, I just, I just wanted you to know, cause we've never really done much of a one-on-one -on -one thing that, um, I, when I was, when I first, uh, you know, discovered you or, you know, found you, I was in a, I don't know, some webinar or workshop somewhere. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, another white woman who irritates people <laughs> or who, you know, irritates in a, you know, positive way, but I, I just, um, it's a hard, it can be a really hard space to be a white woman, you know, doing this work and, you know, inviting uh, other white bodies into doing this work because there's not many that are willing to do the work. So, but I just remember being so thrilled. Oh, I'm not the only one disrupting comfort, you know, uh, in, in spiritual or wellness communities. So. No, you're you. in good company. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to, uh, um, so the first, uh, actually, question um, is, uh, well, actually, I said I was going to um, uh, let you, Ogan, go, because it was your I, question. I know. I'm, 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 I, I'm waiting for permission. Last time I jumped in, I know, you know, I, I know. I, I'm, I'm doing Okay, the, you can talk now. I'm a I'm a learning to learning to step back as a male in the company of women. Um, but but my question is actually related to what Kelly Kelly just said. Um, how do you navigate being in 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 this space in this arena as as a white woman? Because I know that you know um, folks who participate with us, especially the white bodies that participate with us, there's there's always this seeming hes hesitancy to 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 take on the the discussions around anti racism as though as white bodies they aren't entitled to speak about this issue because it feels like, oh, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of black people and I'm not supposed to do that. Um, so, so how, how do you navigate that space? Um, how, how uncomfortable might it have been 
getting into the space to talk and do the work that you do? <laughs> I mean, to answer the last question you just asked, it's messy as hell, you know, when you're, I think, first finding your, your sea legs um, as a white-bodied person who spent a good portion of their life um, unaware, you know, like uh, blinded by privilege and, you yeah. know, uh, I, I, and isolated very intentionally by the many systems and structures that are, that are keeping um, racism and white supremacy alive. Um, you know, I feel like the way that I want to answer this is I, I think, I think the moment I really felt my, my, my footing, my center in this work is when I realized that I had skin in the game. Mm. And I think a lot of the time that I spent thinking that being a white person in this work was about helping other people or God, you know, or saving other people. We all know the, the legacy yeah. of, of that work in the world. Um, or, or even like, um, you know, uh, even I'm just thinking about like missionary work and service and, and and not that that's not bad, but the way in which that the spirit of that work has been co-opted by systems of power, right? That that weaponized it, right? To, to control people, um, to convert people, right? To keep people where they're at, um, to keep people separate and isolated um, and small um, um, and inferior, um, you know, that, that, like that way of engaging wasn't wasn't working for me and wasn't helpful and, and certainly wasn't harm free. Um, but when I realized that I actually had a stake in this conversation, that white supremacy, although I benefit from many of the systems and structures that have emerged from that ideology, was also harming me and harming all of us and harming the planet, right? And harming <laughs> democracy and like, that like I actually had to throw down because I'm a I'm a part of this whole. Um, and and I think, you know, when you ask like, how do you do it? You know, I think you do it accountably, if that's a word, right? yeah. you do it in relationship, right? right? Especially as white people who don't know what we don't know, right? So you do it in relationship, but you also do it with courage, right? Like you have to learn how to step beyond the fear of making mistakes to step beyond the, the sort of like the tiptoeing, the, the cat on a hot tin roof part of, of the work because the stakes are just too high. And eventually there were just too many people I loved that um, I, I understood were being targeted and harmed, harassed, exploited, um, under-resourced by the system. And I just was like, yeah, no, no longer, no further. So right. that, so, so for me, it was like, it was really about locating myself. And I mean that both in that, like, I'm a part of this, but I'm also impacted differently and disproportionately, right? Based on the color of my skin, based on many of the sites of privilege that I embody. And like, like I have, I have a stake here. Um, and I think our future is at stake because of the, the threat of white supremacy. And so therefore I'm going to like, I'm going to go all in. Nice. Yeah, the going all in part, I still, uh, I notice when I when I hesitate, it's sort of like, oh, there's my whiteness again, <laughs> you know, um, because because I have the luxury of choosing not to go not to be all in and and can still move through the world kind of, you know, uh, with some ease. So I think that, I think that's, tr that's true for us. I also think it's, it's, it could be true that um, we don't want to do harm. 
right? And there yes. are many ways in which white people getting engaged in this work, whether they yes. mean it or not, because this work yes. impacts, you know, people in different ways, right? So I just, I also think that there's, because that feels like a teacher too for me, right? Like, just like being in a constant, like harm reduction stance of like how I, right. if I engage in this way, what will, you know, and I can't ever really know or control the outcome. So I have to be calculating at all times. Right. Um, so anyway, so I just wanted to say that too, because I think that's real for people as well. Yes. Well, it's the, uh, the intent and impact, you know, and, and learning to focus on impact. And while I can never know the, the, you know, all of the impact, being able to pause and go, what are the possibilities and and know that I am, you know, uh, um, that I am doing like owning that I am doing the best I can and and nobody gets to really put a yardstick next to me and measure what my best is. Um, I think that's part of the the humility journey of this and um, and how I move through and, and do the work and go all in, you know, or not. So you chose to, you know, take on not too large an industry, <laughs> just just the wellness industry and by extension, right, yeah, you know, the health industry. No, no biggie. Um why Capitalism. yeah, why this lane? So so we we always so you know, we say to we say to folks who feel like overwhelmed with the with the gargantuan, you know, monster that racism and white supremacy is. I mean, he's like, you don't you don't need to take it all on, just pick a lane. Um why why was this the lane for you? I mean, one, I was a part of this industry. And so I think I was I was impacted by what was happening, um, by many of the myths that I write about in this book. But I also think I felt like I had a responsibility as someone in the industry with, mm. with some influence and some power um, to, to expose the ways in which um, the myths of wellness, um, the, um, you know, um, the, ha the wellness hack, um, and many of sort of the like conservative, you know, you know, glossing over of a lot of the sort of like wellness narratives that yeah. we've um, adopted, right, are really, really harmful um, and and not a way to get to the truth or a way to get to wholeness. And very much in, in a lot of ways, um, they're an escape hatch um, from, from what's really happening in the world. And so, so I like I was a part of it, right? I was having an experience of it. So this wasn't like I picked an industry because I'm a journalist. It was like, no, I'm inside this. And so like I need to take some responsibility for how I've been complicit in this. Um, but I also want to expose the ways in which, um, you know, wellness is hooking us in, in some really like toxic ways. And I also want to say that, like, I also, I also wrote this book because, because I had a yearning to be well, because like deep down what called me to, to wellness, right. What called me to yoga and meditation and to many of these practices, to spiritual work was a desire to heal and to feel connected right and to and to find meaning in the world and so the, the the very thing that called me to wellness was the thing that actually inspired me to write this book and sort of expose you know some of the pitfalls and some of the lies and some of the myths and um some of the false narratives that i think um we've been hooked by because it's more comfortable and easier and 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 what does you wanted to be well, you wanted to heal. What do those words mean for 
for you because because especially in yeah. spiritual communities that word heal comes with a, a lot of baggage a lot of expectation a lot of, of toxicity uh, toxicity a lot of like you know hey if if you're not healing we gave you the tools if you're not healing there's something wrong with you so well, you know that part always <laughs> right so so what does what does the word heal mean for you yeah i one of the things i was cautious about in this book was saying like here's what wellness is because i was like there are enough white able-bodied wellness well-meaning <laughs> wellness people who have been telling people what wellness looks like or what wellness means or what wellness should be that I was like, I, that's not what I want to do. I, I, I instead want to ask some questions about what it isn't. And I did, I did say in the beginning of the book that when I say wellness, what I, it felt really important to differentiate between well-being and wellness because we were using mm-hmm. them interchangeably in, yeah, in right. like the dominant culture. And so the way that I understood well-being in my own practice, and this actually came a lot through my work with Citizen Well, um, with like really exploring um, and asking the question, what's in the way of well-being? What's in the in the way of, of being well, the state of being well for people? Um, and so well-being, I define as I use it in the book as the state of being well or the state of being whole, right? Um, and wellness, um, by definition, when it was kind of introduced into our, our you know, lexicon, was the active pursuit of, mm. right? It was a sort of like active engagement, active intentional pursuit of being well, um, whereas well-being is just like a state, you know, it's just being, you know, and wellness is more active, it's more intentional. Um, and so that's how I kind of used those two words. Um, um, throughout the book. And, you know, the last chapter of this book is called the reimagining wellness. Cause I mean, I wrote this book and I think I was left with more questions than answers. And I was like, right. what is wellness? You know, like right. I got to the, you know, page 364 and I'm like, oh shit. Like, I still don't know that I understand what wellness is. Mm. And so that's when I called some people in to help me reimagine, like, and help all of us, right. Um, see wellness in a different way. But one of the theories I brought into this book was that wellness um, wasn't something that you could solely achieve on your cushion or solely achieve on your mat or solely extract, right, from capitalism or solely, you know, like that actually um, this idea of being well individually and collectively was deeply political. Mm. Um, and, And really forced the question, not like, what is the what is the latest wellness hack that can help you sleep better? But actually, like, how is capitalism exploiting you so that you can't? Like, it was like that, you know. Those right. were the questions that I really wanted to ask, um, because I had done all those other things in my own journey, and and I wasn't well. Right. And so right. I was like, something else is happening here, you know, which a lot of people have known for a really long time, but but wellness has really been selling us a story, um, as has dominant culture, that if you're sick or suffering, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and then, right, um, it blames us. And then it builds all sorts of industries to profit from, you know, that, um, that belief system. And so it's like, deeply toxic, um, and um, exploitive, 
um, and are the reclaiming of this idea of being well, this right, this human right to be well and to thrive, not on someone else's terms, but on our terms, feels deeply revolutionary. The one of the there's a the couple points around you know the, the myths that you move through. Um, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, when you read the title, um, you know, the myth of wellness, oh, great, there's one myth. And it's like, yeah, no, it's, you know, tentacles, and it just, you know, and like, just like white, you know, white privilege, white body supremacy, you know, culture, it's a virus that's always mutating, finding ever more clever, you know, imaginative ways to express and that's true for well you know the wellness industry the, you know and our well-being and um but there's there's there were two things that were um there were multiple things that that um that struck me um but there was two things in particular and one of them you actually mentioned very quickly earlier about um mission trips um but but what i'm um you know in spiritual communities you know many faith traditions don't do mission trips however they get very engaged in volunteering and um you know which is you know within spiritual communities faith traditions would define those differently um and but i was struck by um just cuz i've done it i've taken people on volunteering trips you know Right. And um, and, you know, remember reading, reading things and going, I don't think that's me, you know, like at first. And then I go, OK, well, I know the minute I say that's not me, it is me. So now I have to go find out how it is me. Right. But I, I wanted. To, yeah. So say a little bit more about how those those kind of trips where we go to be in service, even if we're you know connecting with someone in india and they're telling us how we can be of service how we're still sort of carting the colonial mindset along with us mm -hmm. you know i um thank you for that question i mean it took me a long it took me a journey to even get to the place that you're describing and i try to tell the book in like not in like a linear fashion, but I did try to tell it in the way that I understood my own unraveling, like right. the unraveling of all the like uh, socialization and conditioning that I had accumulated throughout my life for all the different reasons that I write about. Um, and, and I say that because, um, you know, I, I didn't have a, an immediate orientation to be someone who was was like feeling called to be of service, right? Um, I was like, I, I actually was shaped in like a deeply individualized way where, you know, I was like, I spent a lot of my life very much all about like me, myself and I. And I say that because like, I think that, I think the the unraveling is really gradual and then we go through phases where like we grow. And, and I tried to do this in the book, it sort of exposed the ways in which yeah. I was growing, but still sort of not growing in the wrong direction, but growing into different layers. And, and in chapter six, I write about how I grew into this place where I was like, there's more than just me, right? And I can't be well unless other people are well. So therefore right. I'm, I'm called to service, right? I'm called to practice right um, um in action this thing that i appreciate healing and whatever you want to name it or call it and so that's what got me into this sort of like volunteering and 
and and community service and traveling around the world and trying to expose myself to some of the things that were happening outside of my bubble. That was real for me. And then also like with all of the best well-meaning white lady intentions, wanting to help, you know, um, and um, and and I think what you said was really important, like even when you go in with the best of intentions and even when you go in and you're like, I will not repeat the mistakes of those who came before me in the ways in which they they create, you know, I think one of the things I learned, especially in writing this book, but certainly throughout the journey of my life, is that that training of like entitlement, mm. of I know better, you know, of I have a right to tell people like how it could be better for them or how they should live their life was ingrained in my tissues and in myself. So even when I was in a critical stance of like, how do we do this differently? You know, I was still fucking doing it, you know? And so, right. <laughs> um, so, but that was a really big teacher for me because I think it flies in the face of, of this myth that you can just meditate away, you know, or that you go to an ashram or a silent retreat, or you subscribe yeah. to some ideology and you can just, rid yourself right of these really toxic harmful characteristics and qualities of whiteness of individualism of capitalism of right all the things that I write about and and one of the things I realized at the end of writing this book was that I've been doing this work for a long time and I un, I know intellectually what is toxic right and what isn't and yet my body my survivor body my trauma body my my body that has been shaped right by what by white supremacy will still do the thing right if yes. i am not like if i am not hyper vigilant about the way yeah. in which i'm taking responsibility for what i'm carrying in my tissues and myself that was a profound realization y'all because it both it was both really humbling, like, oh, I'm never going to get to graduate. Like, there ain't no, there is no destination for this work of detox and recovery. There's only like moving forward and growing and expanding. And it taught me that this is a practice. It is an everyday practice of self-interrogation, yeah. um, of, of being in the world, of being in relationships of accountability with people who are, are willing and generous enough to like mirror back to you the ways in which you are replicating those systems, right? And doing the thing over and over and over again. And the ways in which you're like deeply invested and engaged in dismantling and disrupting the spaces and the systems that you're a part of. And so that, that you know, that was a hard lesson, right? Um, that was a hard lesson to actually like reckon with, like, oh, I'm never, I'm never going to maybe entirely unlearn whiteness. I don't and, know right. that I will. And I think the word, the word practice um, is deceives us in many ways, right? Because when you think about it, you practice for a game or a performance, right? right? And then you have it. And then you're either the winner or the loser. The concert goes well, the performance goes well, and people applaud. And then you're done. Right? You, you you practice you practice to a goal or an end point, um, and and to your to your point, the realization is that like yeah, the the mythical end point is yeah. a either non-existent or b the very least we're not seen in our lifetime because I keep telling people we're not going to turn a four hundred a ship that was headed in one direction for four hundred years we're not. We're not going to turn it in the two years since George Floyd was killed. So everybody just like, stop with this. Like, why haven't we fixed it yet? Thing, right? So 
so there's so there's that um and and i want to tie this to something you said in the book that was perhaps the most like profound thing i read because i remember i remember reading this and like like you know when you read something and like it like hits you at another level and you like you just sit there kind of like like dumbfounded for a little bit like what the what did i just read like holy shit like that so so you write disability is not located in the individual's body and mind but in the world and i had a like i had to do some work around that right because our conditioning is you're right something is either well or it's broken and 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 what well means those standards of wellness what it looks like and and then you know because i've been struggling or in you know in spiritual lingo i haven't been manifesting well and life is like so therefore i must be broken you know in in some ways you know i might be spiritually disabled because i'm clearly not doing this well like all of these things are going through my mind and and i'm like oh no it's not me it's the world of disability so so can you dig into this cuz I'm still having I'm still having a moment wrapping my head around around this but but it's it's a it's a very deeply profound statement that since I read it it's beginning to change how I look at every damn thing around me I I mean I resonate that's sort of what happened for me. And, and I want to say also that it continues to be such a profound teacher, like yeah. actually kind of un, like being in a process of like unlearning and noticing how quick I am to assume disability equals deficiency or how, yeah. how quick I am to take ableism for granted. And I, I got in a really bad accident about 12 years ago and broke my back in two places and was very lucky to, to walk again. Um, but, but it changed my body and it changed my life. And, and all of a sudden I didn't fit anywhere anymore. That mm. was like, that was sort of when this realization sort of, and then I did a bunch of reading by the way. Um, and I want to say that I resisted it. I was like, I'm going to fix myself. I was very clear. I'm going to fix myself. I will walk right. again. I'm going to fix myself. I will not be in pain forever, you know? And uh, the journey had many other things in mind for me, unfortunately, but but it was like the greatest, um, it, it, it was the greatest teacher in that it, it, um, it helped me see the spaces and the structures, the systems, the pathways, the transportation, the roads, um, um, the, the way in which capitalism was organized around constant productive bodies. Mm. And I couldn't, I was bedridden, right? So I like couldn't work. Um, it was it was so mind blowing. Um, it like, and for me also, like it reorganized my brain. And then I, and then I wasn't, I didn't understand what was happening. I was very disoriented. I didn't have words for it. I wasn't a part of the disabled community. And so I, I did a lot of reading and I read some, inc I, I learned from some incredible dis uh, disability justice teachers, um, Eli Clare, um, Leah Lakshmi Piepsna, uh, Samar Sinha. So many, many people, um, who helped me like like put words <laughs> to what I was feeling in my body. And now, you know, I am sometimes abled and sometimes not, and I don't always know when that's gonna be. Um, and so that 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 is also a trip. How quickly I forget what it is <laughs> to be bedridden or to like how quickly that um, escapes my brain and I want to reach right for 
the abled experience because it's just easier and it's rewarded and it's privileged and it's comfortable. And, and, you know, COVID taught me a lot about. And, and, and I'll know, and I'm sorry, but, and I'll know that I belong. And I'll know that I will. And, you know, and what I was going to say about COVID is that, you know, COVID has, um, taken the disability conversation to a whole new level, right? Because yeah. long COVID is a mysterious thing that's affecting people's life. You know, I, I would say like um, uh, chronic disease is also a thing that's sort of like really stretching our understanding of what it is to be um, abled in the world um, in really different ways. And our, you can see our system can't, it can't, it can't hold it. Right. It can't hold the very different, um, uh, diverse embodied experiences that we are all holding. Right. It can only hold one type of experience. And yeah. so when I think about the reimagining, right, or like the kinds of spaces I want to hold, or the kind of people <clears throat> that I want to belong to, Rev Kelly, to your point, I, I actually want to be like exploring what it is to be in spaces that are asking the question, like, what does it look like to meet each other's needs? What is it? What happens when our needs are in conflict? Right. right. What do we do when we can't meet someone's needs? Right. Um, how do we create spaces that meet more? I think more of the needs feels more practical than all of the needs. I don't know if there is spaces that can meet everybody's different, you know, uh, needs. And so anyway, so I just want to say, like, I'm a I'm, I'm like a baby, like I'm a baby in this realization and in this learning. And there are incredible, incredible teachers um, of disability justice that I would encourage folks to follow um, who are well ahead and who really are just like imagining and carving new pathways for how we be in our bodies and for how we be in the world and for how we belong and thrive in systems and structures that are just not designed for us. And I have a lot of those resources in this book and I just have to like, I have to completely give it up um, to their um, wisdom and leadership because I don't know that I would have the, the understanding, but also like the, the, the self-acceptance and the self-love that I had to like really dig for in those moments that allowed me to like, be like, okay, this is what's happening. And I, and I need to learn how to be in the world in this way. And it's not an individual experience, right? right. It's a collective experience being shaped by systems and structures that are made for like one kind of body. And so um, and then, of course, that's compounded, right, by like many different sites of oppression um, that, you know, so like I'm even as like someone who struggles, I have still so many different privileges that enable me um, to, you know, to navigate um, with more ease. You know, I um, but yeah, it, that was also a big like, oh my God, for me, um, in my own journey and I want to say it's really still emerging for me I'm really still trying to like lean into that inquiry in in how I understand what it is to create a world where everyone can thrive I I am um, no 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 this is this is I can do a podcast anytime but this is your time um we want to hear from you I just um I guess I I um I find myself in a similar kind of position. Um, back in 2016, I got very, very ill and was in the hospital for several weeks and um, became septic, which put me on life support for a week. Um, and 
a couple of near death experiences. You know, you come out of it. I, you know, I happen to be in Arizona working at a doing some interim work in a church. So I was in by myself other than a few. Um, my mother came and my sister, but I didn't have the, you know, people around me really, you know, eventually come back to Missouri, but I have found um, that experience. And I don't know that I've really, and I've talked about it before in the way you describe it, like, like, I'm not sure what I'm doing or where and not finding people I could relate to and the constant conversation of I'm supposed to be somewhere else physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, the whole everything. And it wasn't even anybody saying it, but it was slowly coming to the realization that, uh, and it took me a while to come back really into my body and and to be willing to, um, but slowly over the years since then, realizing how much, and again, you know, coming, really having it be alive as you're talking that um, the world around me continues to tell me I'm supposed to be somewhere that I'm not. Um, and, and being able to, I mean, I have the, I've, I have the capacity now to, at times when I hear that, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm healing at the speed of Kelly, like go away. And, um, that's the phrase I use for me and it works. Right. Uh, and then there's the other days where, um, I forget and then it becomes kind of a shame spiral. Um, especially in spiritual communities, especially when you put Rev in front of a name, like somehow you're different or immune from, you know, but um, that was uh, also what, you know, the, the what Ogan brought up, that piece was really, um, uh, it also triggered um, um, a major depressive disorder. So then there's the mental health in the middle of all that. That part. I mean, that to me is like a whole other layer, right? Especially <laughs> given how little, how little we know about the brain and also how, how, how difficult it is to regulate when we're being faced with so many accelerating crises, when the yep. systems that we're a part of are, are deeply harmful and violent and oppressed and getting more so in many ways. You know, we're, there's more deprivation than before in, in a lot of our social services. Um, um, more people excluded more people anyway so like yeah so that piece too of like what does it look like um um to include right like i'm even just thinking about like um to folks who are are struggling through uh, mental health stuff and don't maybe even have words for it or understand right. it um especially with all of the pressure to be sharp and fast and on social media and constantly yeah. performing your right. your like brilliance and your wisdom and your like smart self-help it, but it's like such it's that's such a, like that's when i go on that's when i go to blanket city that's what i call it i'm like ah can't do all that i'll go to bed yeah <laughs> yeah right so like to me like being in that inquiry i'm so glad you asked this question ogan being in the inquiry of like are the spaces we're, that we're creating, um, you know, making people feel like they can be as much of themselves as possible? And if they are not, like, what what needs to change, or can it change, or you know? Well, the the first part of that change, I think, is is even an acknowledgement that 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 question can be asked, right? Because so many so many of our our spaces and our spiritual communities are are. Are, are running around on the premise that uh, we are safe space and all yeah, are welcome and all are welcome <laughs> and we're safe. 
and 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 more and more you know the work kelly and i have been doing is to go like wait hold on it it's not it's not as safe as you think it is and and to your to your point right as people in the industry I could tell you that is that it's not because 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 I haven't been doing it uh, when I when I was a, a church minister. And and a lot of the reason why it's not safe is because we're not we're not a doing our our own work. Right. And and we have and this is the like double edged sword of of any sort of healing journey, spiritual teaching, whatever. It's both individual work and it's both collective work at the at the same time. Right. We can't we're, we're not a we're not a monolith. We're not an, on an island by ourselves and we can't do the true healing without others a to support and be reflect back when, you know, we think we're doing great, but we actually just being assholes. So so there's there's that element of it as well. But what often happens is that we especially in spiritual communities and I used to perpetuate this. We just stress the individual work. Right. We just stress the individual work. And when I hear people, especially white bodies saying, what can I do? What I'm really hearing them say is, I don't really want to get out and do anything. Give me something that's just comfortable enough for me. That's right. <laughs> you know, so I can say that I've done something, but but it's 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 a tough place to be. So what do you what do you say? What do you say to people who or do you say anything to people? Because because you know half the time I'm like I don't I don't have the energy to deal with y'all today. But what what do you say to people who seem to be stuck in that in that in the meanness of it and not the not the usness of it? Oh oh, I thought you said meanness. Not meanness. So I did too. Mean. I did too. The me, the I, I like, right, the individual. Well, here we go. <laughs> Well, you know, um, and by extension, yes, sometimes the meanness of it. (laughs) Completely right. Um, I mean, because, you know, sometimes like this conversation begins very polite and turns, you know, really nasty very quickly when people, when white people in particular feel threatened, like feel like their their goodness or their innocence is being Mm. threatened or um, but often, you know, what I, what, when people ask me that question, um, I mean, I think it depends, right? So sometimes there's a call to action that's, that's been given to us by communities who are most impacted. And if that's the case, I will give people that. Do right. this. This is what we were told to do. Here you go. So I just, I don't want to like poo-poo that because sometimes, you know, folks, especially folks on the, on, on the front lines of, you know, a lot of this work are very clear. Like they're actually the thing to do, do the damn thing. Right. Um, but, you know, for but uh, but the problem with that right is it becomes collectivism. It becomes a you know a one one note activism. It becomes one day you know one black square on your Instagram, and that's actually not how we're going to get free. And so often when I'm working with white folks, I ask them, "How has white supremacy held you back mm. from your whole self?" Yeah. Like mm. what is it? What is it? What does it cost you to like keep running with whiteness? And upholding yeah. it and being obedient and complying. Like, what does that cost you? Um, and and what is it costing our systems? I mean, I think it's like it's undeniable the 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 toxic impact, the the imprint of whiteness on our health system, on our political system, you know, on our housing system, on our financial system. I mean, like, right, on all the things, basically. All the things. Um and, 
And so like, so when people start and Heather McGee wrote an amazing book called The Sum of Us about this, yeah, when yeah. white folks in particular start to see that like white supremacy is not working for you, it's working against you. You may have a couple material and incremental benefits that you can hang your hat on, but that shit is not getting you better. It is not helping you thrive. It is not moving you into, right? It is not, it is not going to save the planet, nor is it going to save, you know? So it's like, I think white folks really, we need to help white folks get there where they're like, oh shit. Yeah. You know, um, you know, um, white men running around with, you know, um, AR-15s, like how's that working for you and your family and your schools? How's that working for you? You know, so I just think that um, we need to have like conversations like that. And I actually don't know if, if we're having those conversations. I think a lot of conversations, you know, um, 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 assume, you know, this is what's tricky about privilege, I think, is that we we put privilege on a pedestal as if it's a thing that other people want, you know, and I have a dear friend who's like, um, I don't, I don't want your privilege. Like, she's like, I don't want that, actually, you know, like, that, like, I don't want some like soul sucking, you know, like, that's not what I'm looking for. That's right. not, I don't want you to give me your privilege. Like, that's not helpful. And so the idea that this, and I think that's just sort of like one of the core messages we hear about around white folks is like, pay your privilege forward and do something with your privilege. And I think in some ways that just props up privilege even more as if it's this coveted nugget, this golden, you know, pot. And I, and I actually think that there's a deeper conversation around like, you know, what has whiteness cost you, white people? Yeah. Yep. You know, um, in your relationships, in your health, um, in your, you know, security, um, in your in your sense of belonging, you know, um, in your sense of community, um, um, in your future. I mean, like all the things I think a lot of us reflect on and, and think about and um, and desire and yearn for that to me feels like a much more substantive aperture, like like way to go in that I would hope um, stops white people in their tracks a little bit more and, and makes them think very differently about all the things. Because um, I'm just afraid that if like we continue to rally white folks to help to be helpers, to help mm -hmm. people who are, you know, being, I don't, I just don't know if that's going to make for a long-term, you know, like deep, deep, deeply invested, like authentic cross, you know, racial cross issue movement. Oh, it, it already, it already isn't the apathy, the, the, Completely. the, the apathy, yeah. apathy is already set in. In so many, in some for so many people who've you know spent the last two years sort of like you know working towards this thing, helping, and and again have have encountered the frustration. Oh, we maybe have moved the needle like a millimeter or two, um, and for all that effort we put in, the realization of the unsustainability of that like is going and. Kelly mentioned this earlier, the privilege is going like, all right, I'm going to take a break now, or I'm going to check out now or, or whatever. Um, but yes, right. to your, to, to your point, when, when there's a realization that, that, that who they are is at risk and being harmed as well um, is, is there, there, I think there tends to be a little more engagement and, and investment. And I always, I always give the example of, <laughs> I always give the example of the affordable care act 
when uh, the Republicans came into power after, you know, the Repo uh, Affordable Care Act was was made law and they were on this, like just hell bent on, on erasing it, on undoing it, on dismantling it. And, you know, they thought they had the support of their constituents, right? Until their constituents opened up to the awareness and the fact that the Affordable Care Act was this hatred Obamacare that they were trying to get rid of and that they were benefiting from it as well. Like for the first time, so many people got health insurance for the first time, uh, pre-existing conditions were at the window. And, and when they realized that this was what was going to be taken away, they rallied too. Right. So you had, totally. you had all of these like Republican town halls with, with, with white conservatives, like screaming at the representatives of like, don't you dare touch this thing. Don't you dare. And it's funny because some of them in one breath were saying, yeah, we got to get rid of Obamacare. Don't you dare touch my free health care. Like, you know, like, like I'm getting. And so it was it was almost hopeful. Like I thought we I thought we were at the beginning of of that, like like, you know, not the zero sum game, but the solidarity dividend that, that Heather McGee talks yep. about. The people are beginning to realize, yep. oh, wait, look, look at this thing. We're all benefiting from it. And so we're going to. And yeah, that was about that was about as far as it got. And we we kind of saved, uh, you know, the Affordable Care Act, which is still being whittled away. But but folks didn't look by big by big by big healthcare by big healthcare exactly. And folks never really looked past that moment to go like, well, wait, what else might there be, you know? Uh, or to your point, to look to the true culprit, which was big healthcare and and big wellness invested in. Um, making billions off of our unwellness. Completely. I mean, and still, right, very much yeah. so. I mean, like when I look back at like how many people got so much richer during a global pandemic that has I know, right? millions of lives, it's just, Ugh. it's disgusting. Um, but yeah, what you're saying, and it makes me think too, like, you know, the way that I understand equity is that equity is about coming back into balance, right? It is a recalibration. It is a redistribution, right? It is like mm -hmm. a reorganization, right? Because we've been out of balance, like deeply and unjustly out of balance. And I also think that we need to understand that equity is, but that doesn't mean that equity is about less for some. I actually think we have to, we have to like, uh, we have to explore the the idea that equity actually equals more for everyone. Yes. Right. Equity equals more systems that take care of more people. Right. Um, uh, more to go around. Right. And, and I think when you look at just like the deep and extreme divide between the one percent and everyone else, it is clear that there is plenty of abundance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There is plenty, there's enough for everyone. It is just deeply um, imbalanced. And so, but this idea that I think people think that equity is about, they're going to lose that. No, like right. you're already losing so much. We will all gain, we will gain, you know, spiritual, you know, capacity. We will gain, you know, community and belonging. We will gain safety. We will gain more social services that take care of our like basic human needs. We will, we will all get more. And I just don't, and I just think that piece of this narrative feels really important because it, it's the same, like it's the same, you know, um, framing around how like we're, we're all actually losing in different and disproportionate ways. Well, you said, right. you said, oh. re, 
you said redistrib- redistribution. We can't have that communist socialist talk here in America. So <laughs> you're going to you're going to you're gonna have to find a different. You have to find a different word. Well, I think I think people have this unconscious, unexamined assumption that when you say equity, you mean flatlander. And that's not what equity is. Right. They think this flatlander thing um, and that's not what equity is. And redistribution, again, as we've been saying, means taking taking from some and giving to another as as opposed to, like you said, shift shifting the systems so that we all we all end up with more that being said that being said um or in the face of that in the face of the resistance to that what what keeps you inspired what keeps you hopeful what keeps your head above you know the 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 waterline of despair that you don't go under and and throw up your hands and go like okay I, I, you know, I done my fair share. I wrote the book. I did some things like I've, I've, you know, I, I, I remember I used to be, I used to work as a music therapist and music teacher in public schools. And after close to 10 years and basically like, I can't do this anymore. It's like, you know, I did my time. That's, that's 10 good years of time I put in and others can take over from now. I'm done. What, what keeps you from doing that now, given like this is, you know, this people talk about pushing a boulder up a hill. This work, this work is like trying to move the whole goddamn hill, right? So what 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 keeps what keeps you fueled? I mean, I um I feel like first and foremost, I'm an organizer. And so I mean, a lot of what gives me hope is more people getting in the conversation because I, I actually don't think we'll win, right? If only a few of us are trying to like go up against these massive systems, these like marble systems, you know, these sort of unmovable mountains to your point. And the reality is despite the resistance, I mean, you could say resistance is proof that mm. we're making progress, right? Nice. That it's, yeah. it's, evi- it's evidence that we're making progress and more people are in the conversation. And I wish more than that were in the conversation, but like, it's like more people are in the conversation. We have more words and more language for what we are dreaming of and for what we deserve. And so that feels helpful. Like in, for the, in the time, you know, and I, I'm, I'm a baby activist and the time that I've been doing this work in the 10, 15, 20 years, I mean, I've seen us move. Um, And I've also seen the pushback, like the aggression. I mean, what's happening politically in the United States right now is so archaic and so extreme. And it's happening because we are making strides, because there is a a shared um, desire for more, because people believe we deserve better. Um, and some folks on the right are really trying to exploit that, right, with yeah. disinformation and fear mongering. And, and look, some people on the left are also trying to exploit it, you know, for different reasons. But, um, but I do think that, um, you know, what I've seen about people coming together, becoming more practice, integrating this work, this conversation, this commitment into their everyday lives feels hopeful. Does it, it does it, do, we, do I feel like we need to be further along? Oh yeah, I do. Um, we're just so behind the ball, but we're moving. And I, that is just like, you know, 
it's like that Angela Davis quote, like we have to believe it every day. It's like, we just have to like see the moves, see the small wins, acknowledge them. When people are ready to like come into the room and start to reckon, we need to welcome them in the room and not say like, where you been? You know, like we have to be like, we've been waiting for you, you know, yeah. come join us, you know? Um, we just have to, and especially white-bodied people, we just have to keep bringing people along, not by replicating systems of shame, but by showing people that there's a better way to be. Right. That over here in this room of like <clears throat> belonging and equity, it feels better. It, it, you belong, you get to be your whole self, you know, and you get, you get to say what you need, you know, and sometimes your needs will be met. I just like, I think we have to like, prefiguratively just start to like live into the world that we want to like see and build and create small spaces like the spaces that you all are creating and really practice that future in those spaces and just give people a show people a different way of being show people yeah. an alternative right to being afraid or an alternative to being armed or an alternative to being vicious to other people or an alternative to feeling like so not enough that they have to constantly reach outside of themselves for completion. And yeah. so I think there's some, there's some, you know, and, and that's not a new strategy, right? Like marginalized communities have been showing us that strategy for all of time. So I just think that like more of us can get into a practice and a culture of living into that and showing people that there's another way. Well, it's one of the, the one of the most meaningful parts of, of the work that Ogan and I do is our affinity groups. You know, we have two a month and there's Beautiful. just, there's just something, you know, it's the, it's what goes on in the group and the conversations and, you know, it's certainly not oodles of people. And I can look back and see the people that are there. I can see, especially white bodies, some that are less afraid to speak up, right? Less afraid to, to disrupt something, willing to risk losing a relationship, you know, wh whatever. Um, and so that's, you know, um, and, yeah. And, the and more... what's more, the, 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 the best part about it is watching them self-monitor themselves, right? Yes. Because we, we'd started off with people saying some really like things that we'd have to go like, okay, see, see that thing you just said right there? This is what we're talking about, <laughs> right? And then it progressed to like, I don't know if I should be saying this. And then like, you know, like, yeah, I know what I'm about to yeah. say is. And it, like, so we see, we see the progress over, over time. And, and to your point, it, you're right. It never seems to be moving fast enough. But, but I always say to people, you know, again, you got to take that long view and realize that we are moving exponentially quicker than than we than we are doing. I'm watching uh today I'm watching a couple of episodes of the 1619 project. Um and I'm like the shit yeah. that went down not that long ago, right? Yeah. Um and where we are now to your point, yes, we have, we have made great strides and there are still so much more strides to make. Um so so I for one am grateful that you are in the space that you are in and doing the work that you are do doing as a white body because as we say sometimes uh uh white bodies y'all gotta go get your own <laughs> and yep. yep and go get yourself yeah exactly yeah. go exactly. get yourself you lost you are lost <laughs> go get yourself like get yourself found and then go get your people I, and I, um and i think that's true and i also just want to say like thank you for saying that and like I feel like such a baby in this work and I feel mm -hmm. like I learn every, I'm learning every day. Yeah. Um, 
I'm learning every day, like new layers and new dimensions of my shaping, new practices, new capacities, new like courageous capacities to keep showing up, um, new ways also to like take care of myself. I re- like I left that part out for the first part of my my activism, and like I'm I'm learning, I'm becoming more skillful and self and self um, accountable to like how I need to also like take care of my myself as I do yeah. this work. Um, and so I just say that, like, because I think that's important, you know, like it goes back to the destination conversation. Like we're just like always moving the needle. And I, I know that about myself. Like I'm always moving the needle and I'm always asking like, what's my next edge in this work of like dismantling, you know, internalized racism and white people. What is my next edge? Because like, just because I've been doing this work and don't mean nothing. Like (laughs) I got so much more work to do and how do I stay curious and ready? Yeah, yeah. There's great humility in that. And 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 that's what we need on this journey as well. So as we begin to wrap up, um, there's just one more thing we want to do. We um we do this often of our of our guests on the show to help us know you a little bit better. So I'm gonna we're gonna ask you a couple questions. Uh they're either or questions. We'll give you two options to choose from. Don't overthink it. Um and um these because they don't you, really mean anything in the scheme of things yeah these answers they, they say <laughs> everything about you and nothing about you all at the same at the same time okay okay, okay so, I love it. so so I love all right it. so here we here we here we go so you gotta pick, you gotta pick one of the following chocolate or vanilla vanilla star wars or star trek oh don't overthink. Just go. Just go. Just Star go Wars. Star Wars. There you go. That's the right answer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, city or country? Country. Beer, wine, or tequila? Tequila. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's like, well, duh, tequila. Yeah, just a, just a touch of scorn in there. That's all right. We, we, it's all good. Uh, what kind of question is that? <laughs> right. Uh, uh, Mexican, Chinese, or Indian food? Indian. Ebook, audiobook, or real book? Real book. And finally, Netflix or chill? <laughs> I really wish, I really wish the audio, the the those who are listening to the podcast, you gotta go to the you gotta go to the Facebook video because to see my to see my expression. You can't you can't hear her face. I would really like a tie on some of these, you know. I want like a discerning. Like, well, it depends. I really Both and right. Don't oh, put me in a box, please. Um, you okay, know, no. I I love I love a good series. I do. I love getting lost in a good series, and and I love going to the beach and just like chilling out. I mean, I love like you know, I, I you know. I'm really so, learning to appreciate downtime. All right. So this is going to be a teachable moment. Uh, are you familiar with the phrase Netflix or chill and what it means? Netflix. Oh. So, or the phrase. <laughs> Again, we wish we could is hear it, her face. It, Net, Netflix. Is this a thing? Netflix and chill. You, are you familiar with the phrase Netflix and chill? Um, no, no. Oh, I oh, mean, okay. Outside of the obvious. Yes. Well, um, the obvious was the question. Yes. The okay. obvious was was question. So now that you know this, I'm going to ask it again. Uh, Net, Netflix. Netflix or chill? Chill. Okay. <laughs> you know, you answer that exactly the same way you answered the tequila question, and I love it. 
Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty obvious. Pretty you know, obvious. no, because like, I just want to like, there's some things, um, I, I'm just like, there are some coping answers in there. I just want to own that. <laughs> yes, you know, oh, of like, course. Netflix is like my coping answer. Of course, well, yeah. Is my like regulated answer. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and for some of us. Tequila is the real answer, though, to be clear. Yeah. Tequila is yeah. always the real answer. Uh, and for some of some of us, those are reversed. For some of us, the chill is the coping and the necklace is regulated. Again, no That's wrong right. answers. <laughs> no wrong answers. No wrong answers. Uh, That's right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us <laughs> today um, and this discussion. Thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you so much for this book. I'm going to have to read it again because... Uh, you know, word of warning to folks, there's a lot of good shit in here. Like, yes. And and what I love best about the book, it's it's not just you pointing out what's, you know, and I'm air quoting here, broken, but also the invitation, you're inviting us into the solution and 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 okay. and inviting us um and giving us some ideas for reimagining what uh we we can we can make and what we can create together so it's not just a book about about bashing and complaining like this is this is a very hopeful uh uh tone yeah. for for what our our collective equitable future can be so i'm very appreciative of it and um i'm not gonna do the thing that you probably get a lot from the author question which is so when's the next book coming out and what it's going to be about <laughs> you know again i don't have a very good answer for that because people <laughs> ask me that question and i'm always and i'm a little i'm still healing i'm like i'm not ready you yeah know? yeah, the, book yeah. Is a, I mean, the ink the ink isn't even dry and people are asking i mean <laughs> this i just want to say that this book has opened up so many questions for me i yeah. i just feel like Good. i have a lot more work to do around the questions that i was exploring in this book i like i and we like as a as a collective practice but i personally like it's like exposed a lot in me that needs a lot of work still and so you know i'm not i'm not gonna jump from you know one book to the next i'm gonna i really want to live into this practice and i really want to understand what it is to detox like for real Beautiful. um and then see what emerges you know and i just want to thank yeah. you for this conversation and also for the book club because you know as an organizer so much has been revealed in the aftermath of putting this book out in the community conversations that we're having. So I'm learning a lot, you know, it's almost like a focus groups, right? I'm like, well, yeah. what does it mean for you? And what are you struggling with? And what's in the way? And how do we, so, um, so that has been a real passion project for me. I'm doing a lot of that also just in my like sort of post work, you know, we're doing a lot of unlearning sessions and uh, communities of practice where we just keep like just keep unfolding, like keep, you right. know, excavating yeah. the question over and over and over again. And so I'm going to hang there for a while and see what happens. Nice. That's, that's the place to be. Uh, did you have something to, uh, no, I just wanted to say, okay. thank you. I just wanted to, you know, reiterate out of my own mouth, Ogan said it over <laughs> and over and deep appreciation. Uh, I feel it too. Thank you for making this space and thank you for the community that y'all are building and for inviting me to be a part of it. Absolutely. So folks, if you're listening and you have not yet read this book, please go and get it. American Detox, The Myth of Wellness and How We Can Truly Heal. Also do us a special favor. If you're going to buy it, buy it from Bliss Books and Wine, blissbooksandwine.com, our um, Black-owned bookstore uh, partners. Use the code 8 
four six book for a ten uh, percent discount. Um, you really got to read this um, book as well. Uh, please tell your friends about this episode. Share this episode. We're on all the podcast platforms. If perchance you have that one person in your life who does not know what a podcast is still, um, you can listen to us on the old school interwebs at with love and justice. Sorry. Yes, that was right. With love and justice for all dot podbean.com. So until we meet again, let's get our holy on. Yeah.